And man, it's great to see everyone here this morning. As you guys can see, we're beginning a new series, and it's all about gifts. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you like to give gifts? Well, guess what? Our Heavenly Father does too. James chapter 1, verse 17, notice what it says. Whatever is good and perfect is a what, church? Is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. In other words, James says every good and perfect gift comes to us from God. Now, some of these gifts are temporary, right? For example, God gives us the gift of a sunset. But the sunset only lasts for a few minutes. And God gives us the gift of food, but every day that food has to be renewed in our daily lives. And, and God gives us the gift of our health, but how many of you have learned by now that that doesn't always last? Okay? God also gives us the gift of children. And one of the things that Julie and I are finding out is that eventually our children grow up and they move out. And God also gives us the gift of marriage. And I think marriage is really one of God's greatest gifts. But that only lasts till death, what? Do us part. That's right. And so God is the giver of all gifts, but some of those gifts are temporary. But when God gave us the gift of His Son, He gave us a gift that lasted forever. And that is the gift of joy. Now, here's what I want you to understand before we go any further. There is a huge difference between happiness and joy. For example, happiness depends on our happenings. In other words, happiness depends on our circumstances. How many of you would say that you are happy when you get what you want? How many of you would say you are happy when everything is going your way? Right? But I think most of us have learned by now that life isn't always that way. And in other words, there are going to be times in our life when we're not going to get what we want. And there are going to be times in our life when things aren't going to go our way. And so here's the truth. You need to make sure you write this down. Happiness is temporary because our circumstances change. But joy is an inner sense of well-being that endures regardless of the circumstances. In other words, we can be joyful even when we don't get what we want. We can be joyful even when things don't always go our way. Even in the midst, well, of times like these. I know a lot of people are looking around, especially with all this COVID stuff going on and different things going, over, going around, you know, going on uh, around the world and, and they're depressed and, and they're discouraged. But for the mature Christian, let me tell you something, because of Jesus, we should have joy, Amen. right? 
As Christians, we, we should have joy because joy is permanent. I, I got this this week. This is just how God, this is just how God works. Yesterday in the mail, I received this. Julie and I did, and, and this is a card, and it can be used for a, a Christmas ornament as well. But you see, it spells out joy. And what you probably can't see is the card that came with it. It's from Burton Darlene McKee, and this is what they wrote. We can still have joy in our lives. Even in the midst of the coronavirus, even in the midst of, of hard times, you and I, we can still have joy because here's the deal. Joy is a permanent gift. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 22, He says, Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will watch, church, say it out loud, no one will what? Take away your joy. No one can take away your joy. You can give it up. But no one can take away your joy because God sent His Holy Spirit. For those of us who are His children, God has placed His Holy Spirit in us to ensure, to empower us to have joy not only during the good times, but also through the bad times. Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 23. And let me tell you something, folks. This is good news. Right? Especially in the unpredictable world in which we're living in today. We can have joy. You know, when I think about joy, I think about the shepherds that received the announcement of Jesus' birth, Jesus' coming. Look at our text. Luke chapter 2 today, we're, we're just going to kind of anchor in here and, and talk about a few things that we can learn about joy. But notice Luke 2, starting in verse 8, it says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, doing what, church? Say it out loud. Guarding their flocks of sheep. Now, let me stop right here and let me say this. Being a shepherd was not a great job and for several reasons. First of all, it was the lowest of occupations. In fact, it was a despicable occupation to many. I don't know how many of you have ever studied the life of Joseph. We're doing that on Wednesday nights right now online. You can go back and check out some of those lessons. But it gets to a point to where Joseph goes to Canaan and he is getting ready to move his family to Egypt. But he warns them. He says, listen, when you guys come before Pharaoh, he says, do not tell them that you are shepherds. Tell him that you are livestock breeders. Genesis 46 through 34, because shepherds are what? Detestable to the Egyptians. How many of you remember David in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17 when he's getting ready to fight Goliath? Remember his brother comes up to him and he says, David, what are you doing here? He says, why aren't you at home tending the sheep? In other words, he was kind of chiding him. He was, he was making fun of him because he wasn't old enough to be in the military and he was just a lowly shepherd. 
But it wasn't just the lowest of occupations. Shepherding was very mundane. And, and what I mean by that is shepherding was very boring. Because all you do as a shepherd is you watch over sheep. Now, occasionally something exciting might happen. You may have to, you know, uh, chase after, uh, chase off a wild animal as, as it tries to get to your sheep. I also think about David. Remember in 1 Samuel chapter 17 where he had to kill a bear and a lion to protect his sheep. Or, or it could be that maybe you have you know, a, one of your sheep that gets lost and, and you have to go look for it. Jesus talked about that in Luke chapter 15. But for the most part, being a shepherd was just really a boring job. I mean, think about it. People go to the zoo to watch monkeys and bears and lions, how many of you have ever gone to the zoo to watch the sheep? Thank you, Cindy. You blew my whole theory out of the water. Thank you. Today we also have bird watching clubs, right? But how many of you have ever heard of a sheep watching club? Okay, thank you, Logan. But I think you guys get the point. Sheep are boring. And to make it worse, the, shepherd in our, the shepherds in our story were watching their sheep at night. Which would have been really boring, right? Because the sheep were asleep. And I'm sure the shepherds, they were having to fight off sheep. But then suddenly, this despised, boring night job was interrupted by an angel who brought a message of great joy. And I'm sure when the shepherds saw the angel, they were probably thinking to themselves, well, you know, we've, we've heard that this has happened to priests, and we've heard that this has happened to prophets, where an angel appeared to them, but not to lowly shepherds like us. In fact, they probably rubbed their eyes in disbelief and, and thought, man, is this really happening? I mean, this was the most exciting event of all the ages, and these lowly shepherds were right in the middle of it. And this is what the angel announced. Look at verse 11, the Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today. And so get this, these lowly shepherds were the first to know about the coming and the birth of Jesus. How many of you like to be the first to know something? Come on, be honest. Okay, several of you, right? Um, you know, the news media, they love to be the first. You heard it right here, folks. We're, we're coming to you live. We're, we're the first to, to announce this. Gossips love to be the first. Can you imagine during this day and time, hey, have you heard about Mary? She's pregnant. She's not even married yet. Well, these shepherds, they were the first to know about the most important event in the history, the coming of the Savior. And even though they were shepherding, this brought them great joy. And here's the deal. The joy of Jesus breaks through the mundane today. It still breaks through. And, and some of you, um, if I were to ask you, what's your life like? How would you describe it? Would you say that 
your life is just kind of scheduled and routine and boring. I mean, some of you might say, well, yeah, Slate, I mean, I get up in the morning at the same time and I go to the same place and do the same job. I mean, my, my life is, is really boring. For, for some of you, you know, maybe, maybe you're retired and, and maybe, you know, you're watching online and you haven't been able to get out because of the coronavirus. And, and so for you, you might say, man, you're describing my life. The most exciting thing I get to do every day is checking the mail or maybe receive a phone call. And you know, really, almost every life has some sort of routine to it. An airline pilot said, everybody thinks that being an airline pilot is a glamorous job, but in reality, he said, we're just glorified bus drivers. He said, my job is 99% boredom intertwined with 1% panic. One surgeon said, after you've operated a number of times, you reach the point where you almost hope that something goes wrong with the operation just to challenge you to break the boredom. And in order to escape the routine of life, some people turn to bar hopping, or drugs, or gambling, or spending themselves into indebtedness, into an attempt to manufacture some sort of excitement and meaning in their life. But for the Christian, we can break through the mundane because we find eternal significance in Jesus regardless of how insignificant our daily routine may be. In fact, you know what the shepherds did after they left baby Jesus? They didn't take a sabbatical. They didn't go on the lectureship circuit. They didn't write a book. They didn't have a, a stand where they could sell souvenirs. No, look what it says, verse 20. It says, the shepherd, after they, after they encountered Jesus, they did what, church? They went back to their what? To their flocks, but notice, glorifying and praising God. In other words, they went back to the shepherding. This lowly occupation, this occupation that can be mundane and boring at times, but they went back to the shepherding, this time full of joy. Because they had, in, they had encountered Jesus and their lives would never be the same. Jesus had given them an eternal hope and significance that was a gift that would last forever. But then something else I want you to notice this morning about joy. Joy eliminates fear. How many of you tend to be fearful at times? Look back at our text, verse 9. Notice what it says. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were what, church? They were terrified. You ever been terrified? And man, as I read this, I, I can only imagine the emotion, the, the, the fear that they must have experienced. I mean, here they are, and it's quiet, and it's 
dark outside, and then all of a sudden there is this bright light. There is this radiance that surrounds them. I, I'll never forget several years ago when Julie and I lived in Alabama. We had just gone to bed when all of a sudden this bright light flooded our room. I mean, you could almost barely see it was so bright, and, and it scared me to death. I jumped up out of bed, and I looked out the window, and it was a police helicopter. Apparently, they were looking for Julie. And so, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Apparently, they were looking for someone, and, and, and so they were shining their light, and it, it came into our room, and man, it... It terrified me. It scared me to death. Well, imagine. Here's these shepherds out in the field. And again, it's quiet, it's dark, and then all of a sudden, boom, there's this bright light. And, and then on top of that, an angel of the Lord appears. I mean, you know that wasn't calming. I mean, I'm sure none of the shepherds saw this angel and thought, hey guys, don't worry about it, it's just an angel. Right? I'm sure they were terrified more than ever now. And so the angel's first statement was this, don't be afraid. He says, I bring you good news. You know, the first response to the presence of the Lord is almost always fear. J. Vernon McGee wrote, when the supernatural touches the natural, it always creates fear. In other words, as we get close to God, especially the first time, it can make us apprehensive and nervous. It can even be scary for some. And, and, and for several reasons. First of all, the fear of punishment. You remember Isaiah? And remember, he has this vision where he is standing before God in Isaiah chapter 6. And in verse 5, this is what he says. It's all over. He says, I'm doomed for I am a what, church? I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips, yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. In Luke chapter 5, Peter witnesses Jesus doing this amazing miracle. And in verse 8, this is what he says, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a what? A sinful man. You see, the first response to the Lord's to the Lord's presence is often an awareness of our sin. His holiness highlights our corruption and we're terrified of His wrath. But the more we get to know Him, the fear of punishment is replaced, listen to me, with the joy of forgiveness. John writes in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, he says, Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced His what, church? His perfect love. You see, once you come in close contact with the Lord and you realize your lost condition... Your first reaction is fear of God's wrath. But once you have an understanding of who Jesus is and, and what He's done and what He continues to do in your life, joy eliminates that fear. That's why the angel of the Lord said, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. A Savior has been born to you. 
But then I think also some are fearful at times because they fear sacrifice. You say, well, it's like, what do you, what do you mean? Well, I think people are, are fearful at times. They, they don't want to really get close or near to God or, or have a relationship with God because they're afraid God is going to ask them to do something they don't want to do. I mean, I've had people tell me, Slate, you know, that I like doing certain things. In other words, what they're saying is, I like to party. And, you know, I, I just, I, I, I can't be in a relationship with God. I, I love this pleasure too much. Or, or maybe they say, you know, I, I can't have a relationship with God because, you know, I realize I'm, I'm kind of materialistic and, and I don't want to give. Or, or maybe, you know, someone says, well, you know, the, the commitment. If I get close to the Lord, He's going to expect me to worship Him on the weekends. And, you know, I'll have to start praying and, and study my Bible. And I, I'm just not ready for that kind of commitment in my life. And to be honest, there is sacrifice required in the Christian life. Jesus put it like this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 38. If you're not willing to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, he says, you're not fit to be my disciple. Well, God expected these shepherds to even sacrifice. They had to give up sleep. They had to risk losing their sheep to go find people in a stable that they had never met before. They had to sacrifice, but here's the thing. Any sacrifice that the Lord asks of us, he will, he will reward many times over with joy. I heard a story about a businessman who was on his way to a meeting, and he saw a little boy sitting on a curb crying. So he went up to the little boy and he said, Son, he said, what's going on? What's happened? He said, my father gave me a $10 bill to go to the store and buy some things for him. And he says, I lost the money. And the businessman said, well, we've all lost money before. He said, just go to your father, explain what happened, and, and, and I'm sure everything will be okay. And the little boy looked up at him and he said, you don't understand, mister. He said, my father will beat me. And so the businessman did what probably most of you would do. He reached in his pocket, he pulled out a $10 bill, and he gave it to the little boy, and he said, here. He said, go buy whatever you need. And the little boy, after he wiped the tears from his eyes, he took off running, and after he'd gotten a few feet, he went back around, and he went running back to the businessman, and he wrapped him up, and he looked the businessman in the eyes, and he said, mister, he said, I wish you were my dad. And well... The businessman said he forgot all about that meeting. He even started circling the block hoping to find another little boy who had lost $10. It really is more blessed to give. More joyful to sacrifice than to receive. And so listen to me, there's no reason to fear what the Lord wants to do in our life because as we draw close to Him, He will give us great joy. Someone once wrote, and I thought this was really good about the difference between joy and pleasure, a great multitude of people live for pleasure, but few people live for joy. Pleasure is fleeting, joy is enduring. Pleasure leaves and drags a sense of emptiness and loss, but joy leaves in its wake the fragrance of, crushed flower, of a crushed flower. 
Pleasure is addictive. The more you get, the more you need. Joy is satisfying a little is always enough, and too much is almost unbearable. Pleasure can come from almost any source. Food, sex, shopping, a good joke, at least momentarily. Joy, though, has only one head water, a hand-in-hand walk with the joy giver. Pleasure is what the rich have while being wined and dined at the Bethlehem Inn. Joy is what Mary had in the cries and the moans of birth in a barn. Pleasure is what Satan felt as the nails pierced holy wrists. Joy is what Jesus knew when He uttered, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Many live for pleasure, few for joy. Which will you live for? Jesus says, my joy I give to you. And no one can take that away from you. Fear not, because when you get close to Him, let me tell you something, He will bring you great joy. But then something else I want us to notice this morning is joy is based on the truth of Jesus. Look back to our text, verses 15 through 16 now. When the angels had returned to heaven... The shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. I love that. You know, some people's happiness is based on false hope. I imagine the individual who day after day goes and buys lottery tickets thinking to themselves, you know, I I think today's going to be the day. Well, that's probably a false hope. That that person is probably going to, to be let down because very few and far between actually win the lottery. But the good news of Jesus brings joy that lasts because it's based on the everlasting truth of Jesus. The angels told the shepherds, listen, go into town, and in town you will find a barn, and in that barn you will find a very special baby. In fact, He is the Savior, the Messiah. And when the angel was gone, the shepherd said, let's go investigate this to see if what was told to us is true. And, and wouldn't, you, wouldn't you have loved to have been there? I just kind of imagine everything in my mind. The shepherds go to Bethlehem and they, they go up to this stable door and they, they knock. And maybe Mary has just gotten baby Jesus to stop crying and she's exhausted and both she and Joseph, they're just they're looking for some rest, but, but there's that knock. And so Joseph goes over to the door and he whispers, Who is it? Shepherds. Who? Shepherds. An angel appeared to us and told us that born this day was the Messiah, the the Savior. Now, let me ask you a question this morning. How do you think Joseph responded to that? 
Do you think Joseph said, look, go away. We're tired. We're trying to get some rest. Listen, we're just some peasants who didn't make reservations early enough. Just, just go away. No. Yeah, I mean, you just picture it. Joseph throws open the door and he says, wait a second. You saw an angel? Yeah. I saw an angel. And my wife Mary, she saw an angel. Come on in. And they see baby Jesus. And then it says in verse 20, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had what? Heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. In other words, the joy of Jesus lasts because it's not wishful thinking. It's based on fact. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin over 2,000 years ago in the specific town or a specific place called Bethlehem. He had a real family. He worked in a real carpenter shop. He had real friends. He suffered real hardships, just as you and I do. But he lived a perfect life. And he performed undeniable miracles. And he was buried, but rose from the grave and then ascended into heaven to be at the right hand of the Father, and that's where He is to this day. And that's not a fairy tale. That is a fact of history. Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were what, church? We were eyewitnesses. We saw this. We witnessed it with our own two eyes of His majesty. John said this in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the Word. Talking about Jesus. The Word of life. No, this is not a fairy tale. This is a fact of history. And so we can have joy even when we lose our job. We can have joy even when we're surrounded by this coronavirus. We can have joy even when our schedule is mundane. We can have joy even when we're frightened. In fact, we can even have joy as we stand at a graveside. Today at 2 o'clock, I'll be preaching a funeral for Doris Beasley, and I talked to her son on Friday. And, you know, it was just a, it was an awesome conversation because here is a guy who lost his mother, but he realizes that she was a strong Christian woman. She loved the Lord and, and served the Lord. And so basically what he told me is, you know what, I'm not worried about mom. She's in a much better place. And that's the assurance and the joy that assurance can bring when we have Jesus in our lives. 
Paul Thigpen tells about a time when he had come home to a kitchen that was in complete disarray. And he was upset because he had spent hours cleaning the kitchen himself. He said it was obvious that my little girl had been baking something and pots and pans were everywhere and ingredients were all over the kitchen and it was not a happy circumstance. Reggie, can you relate to that ever? Some of you can But he said, in the middle of that mess, I saw an awkwardly scribbled note of a little girl with chocolatey fingerprints all over it that read, making something for you, Daddy. Signed, your angel. He said, suddenly in the midst of all that chaos, a warm sense of joy came over me because I got my focus off of the unhappy circumstances and onto the relationship. And I could see her loving hand at work in the situation that seems so disappointing. This morning, maybe your life is kind of messy right now. Maybe you've got circumstances that are in disarray and maybe it's discouraging, maybe depressing to you. Well, try looking past all that and see Jesus and what He's done. And what He continues to do in our life. Think about the forgiveness He gives. Think about the love that He has given to all of us. And if we can get our focus off of our circumstances for a moment and onto the relationship that is eternal, we will have a joy that will last forever. And again, I don't want to downplay this. Another gift that God has given us, again, is His Holy Spirit. And in Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 23, one of the things that we read about is how His Holy Spirit, how God Himself helps to empower us to maintain and to have that joy in our lives. I hope you have joy in your life. We all have a good reason to, don't we? And we're going to celebrate that in just a few minutes. But first, we're going to have a song and then a scripture. And then we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper and celebrate one of the greatest things that God has ever done for mankind. But listen, if you're struggling with something, maybe it's some sin in your life or maybe it's depression or discouragement. Listen, I I know what that's like. I experience those things too. Listen, we would love to pray for you. Listen, I, I would love to pray for you personally. Our elders would love to pray for you personally. Reach out to me. Reach out to them. Reach out to your brothers and sisters within the church family. Or it may be that there's someone here today who's never put on Christ in baptism, having all your sins washed away. Man, there's no, there's no greater joy than giving your life to Jesus. In fact, one of the things that I tell people after they've been baptized and they've given their life to Christ, I tell them, listen, you will experience the best sleep of your life tonight because you're now saved. You're in the hands of God. We're going to have our our song, Scripture, and then we're going to celebrate.